If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to the Reality Steve podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all the latest info and behind the scenes juice on Katie's season of The Bachelorette and interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve. What's up, everybody? Welcome to podcast number 244. I am your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. A first-time guest for the first time in four and a half years. I don't know why it took this long, but I'm so glad I finally got him on. Rob Sesternino from Rob Has a Podcast. If you're a Survivor fan, you know all about Rob and the network that he has created over there um, has been really cool. And Rob was one of my favorite players in the history of Survivor. And I can't believe I haven't had him on until now. But we got him, podcast number 244. So get ready for that uh, coming up momentarily. One thing I wanted to hit on, and this was brought to my attention today by a few emailers in my recap of Monday's episode of The Bachelorette. I totally just had a brain fart. I don't know why I thought this. But... I mentioned a couple times, I even did it on Twitter on the night of, and nobody said anything. When Mike P. and Katie were on their date, for whatever reason, I thought Katie was the one that told him, you remind me of my mother. No, it was Mike that told Katie. So my whole recap was based on her saying it to him. But when they were cuddling, Mike told her. I guess the bottom line is, in that situation, cuddling with a woman whether Katie told him or he told her, just not something Katie wants to hear. And if she were to say it to him, what I wrote is pretty much my opinion of that. Total mood killer, and you don't want to hear that from a girl that you're with. But, and I'm sure now that we know it was the other way around, I'm sure Katie didn't want to hear she reminds him of his mother. So, my bad on that. Totally goofed. Don't know why, but I did. Mental all, I have not heard really many details. If I do, maybe I'll tweet some stuff out this weekend, but you know, I don't really um I don't really write columns and I don't release podcasts over the weekends. So if I get anything on the Mentel all, I will 
tweeted out this weekend and put it on my Instagram story. But, you know, knowing the love fest of these guys this season, I, I just don't see a lot of fireworks. Of course, there will be because the whole point that the producers tell the guys by gassing them up with alcohol is to basically tell them, like, look, you need to call some guys out. We're not going to get on here and everyone's going to say they love each other and they're best buds, even though a lot of them are. That's not how the men tell-all or any tell-all season works. So some guys, even though it's been a couple months removed from them actually being on the show and filming it, some guys are still going to go on the men tell-all and say things that... It's like you watch the men tell-all and I just I don't buy it. I just, any guys that call other guys out, I really don't think they're that bothered by it, but they kind of have to play a role. So I'm sure the guys will go after Thomas, and I'm sure some will go after Hunter, but I also expect some to defend Hunter as well. I don't know how many people are going to defend Thomas. So it looks like, but are they really that mad three months later? Probably not, you know? It was filmed in April. It's freaking... July, end of July, almost August. I just don't think they care about what Thomas did. Plus, a lot of the guys that are on the men tell all already filmed with Thomas down in paradise. So they may have patched things up. Maybe they didn't. Maybe I, I don't think Thomas made it worse for himself down there. The fact that he dated one of the more popular women in the franchise and Becca. So, yeah, I, I just take everything on a tell-all with a grain of salt, unless there's something major revealed. And I just haven't heard enough details about this men tell-all to know if that's what happens. But, um, yeah, so we are set for the beginning of next episode on Monday will be when Michael self-eliminates because he was at men tell-all. Clearly he's off the show or he wouldn't have been at men tell-all. So he will self-eliminate. And then it'll go into the men tell all. I don't know if it's we're going to get an hour of footage before we go into the men tell all a half hour, 45 minutes. We just don't know. But that's going to be the main thing that comes out of the beginning of the episode is. And look, I don't even know if it's, you know, the first thing that we see is her talking with Michael. It might be maybe Justin gets the first hometown date and then it's supposed to be Michael's turn and he talks to her and eliminates himself. And that's where they go into the I, I just I don't know. I don't know the order of things and how it and how it shakes out. But um, we'll we'll see what happens. And then in the final two weeks, it's just hard to know when stuff is going to be shown when I don't know exactly at what point of filming things happen. Obviously, we know the biggest thing that's going to happen over the last two episodes on August 2nd and August 9th, is the Greg and Katie fight. My guess is it'll be a to-be-continued. The end of the August 2nd episode will probably be the footage that we've seen over and over in the season promos of Katie wanting to leave the show. That makes the most sense to me. If I were a production team and I was editing the show, that's how I would end the August 2nd episode, making the audience think that Katie wants to give up because... She just got in this fight with Greg, and he has self-eliminated. So, But I don't produce the show, so I don't know how it's going to play out, but I just know the end result. 
at the end of filming, Katie and Blake got engaged. So that's what it'll all come to on August 9th. And then we get the hour after the final Rose show, which at this point, I don't even know if it's live. I don't know how you can do a live after the final Rose when they'll be filming Michelle's season. And by August 9th, they might even be in Minnesota. So my guess is that might be being filmed soon. I don't know. If I hear anything, I'll let you know. But anyway, let's get going. We get some really good talk with uh, on, on this podcast. We cover a lot of topics. So here we go. Podcast number 244. All right, here he is. Let's bring him in. Uh, you first saw him on Survivor Amazon, and then a year later on Survivor All-Stars. He is now the creator of Rob Has a Podcast, which has a multitude of shows. It's Rob Sesternino. Long time coming. Great to finally have you on. What's up, man? Steve, so nice to talk to you. Yeah, I mean, it's been, I've followed your stuff for years. You know what's funny? When I was thinking back on this, when I watched Survivor Amazon, and I'll get into my Survivor watching with you, uh, when I saw that season, and obviously it was 2003, a long time ago, but I remember yeah. after that season, I said that Rob Sesternino was my favorite player of all time. And I didn't even know you at the time, and it was it was kind of hard to. Wow, you couldn't just DM people back then in 2003. I was just it was something where I would cover the show on my website and just get my thoughts on each episode. Um, but I always yeah. thought you were I, you were like my favorite player. I love the way you played the game. However, my it's weird with me and Survivor because Survivor is my favorite reality show of all time. Even though I cover The Bachelor, and that's where my Bread, yeah. my my bread is buttered. I it's my favorite yes. show. It'll always be my favorite reality show, and I've seen every episode of every season. However, my memory memory retention on this show absolutely sucks. Like I'm just not good at remembering all the stuff. Probably because I don't cover it like you guys do. It's probably easier if you remember stuff. Just like I can tell sure. you who finished Final Four on The Bachelorette seven years ago. Um, I, yeah. I I I can't do any of that. Uh, I can't even probably name winners of certain seasons even though i've watched every season so my question to you is when you did all stars you were the third person voted out but i can't remember what the hell happened like what did you strategically do something wrong i can't even remember your storyline on that season well uh steve you know it was really that uh such a big threat uh that they had to get rid of (laughs) no i i mean uh i so i was playing with i just come off of survivor the amazon and uh that uh you know i thought i uh, had it all figured out and i ended up uh being on a tribe with robin amber i watched robin amber fall in love in front of my eyes and they uh basically like had control of a small group and uh they thought it was the right move to get rid of me i mean they were the last two so uh <laughs> Far be it for me to say that it was a bad decision. Yeah, no I'm kidding. I guess it. I, mean, I guess it all worked out for them. Uh, not only did they, you know, yeah. final two and win, they got married, they've got kids, they've spun yeah. off and done other shows. I mean, uh, they've Look, obviously made a brand from this. Hey, you want uh, you know uh, romance? Uh, that was the right season. We, you know, unlike a lot of these bachelor seasons, uh, we ended up with a, a couple like married and still together for like 18 years from Survivor All Stars. That is crazy. That's right. That I, I mean, again, totally forgot 
that I, I remember Amber won All Stars, and but I didn't mm-hmm. remember that that was the early plan or whatever that you were out early because of them. Um, in regards to your podcast, real quick, I want to dive into it a little bit later. But how many shows do you do personally weekly? So I cover a lot of the uh, competition reality shows. So uh, my main focus is uh, all the Survivor and Big Brother that goes on. But I do cover things. I've gotten into, I've dabbled in 90 Day Fiance and things like uh, The Amazing Race when it's on and Tough as Nails and uh, a, a whole bunch of uh, different shows. You know, the last year and a half without too much Survivor Big Brother was definitely a challenge. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, we had the pandemic that mm-hmm. killed Survivor for a whole calendar year, and we're you know yeah. about a month away from it coming back, which is good. Um, mm-hmm. And I, in in terms of your your podcast, I've it's it's fascinating because when I was looking back, and I was thinking about it, and I and I'm not blowing smoke up your ass here. I I want to say that you are like the originator in the reality TV world. For podcasting, because when Rob has a podcast, I started hearing about this in 2000, I believe it was 2010, right? When you started it? Yes. I was like, you know, what is this? Obviously, podcasting wasn't nearly uh, back back then what it is now. Did you have some sort of premonition about the podcasting world? It was just like, how did you stumble upon deciding to do that and then make it to what it's in today? So uh, first off, thank you very much. I wish I could say that I had some sort of a premonition. I was hopelessly unemployed and I had uh, nothing else going on. And I thought that if I started podcasting, that maybe it would help somebody like find me and give me a job because it was 2010. I had been laid off in uh, 2009 and I was just looking for like any way to sort of like uh, stand out in the job market and Survivor Heroes versus Villains came on and I thought, okay, well, maybe I, m- people might be interested in hearing me talk about Survivor because I was on the show and there's a lot of interest in Survivor right now. And it, it never got me anywhere close to finding a job, but people started like listening to the show. And over the next couple of years, I struggled to find work and I had a lot of time to devote into building up Rob as a podcast and covering more and more seasons of Survivor. Which is really fascinating because the other thing you did was when you first started up and covering Heroes versus Villains was you covered the final season of Lost. Now, I didn't know you yes. did this until I looked it up, but and I've never spoken to you about Lost before. I'm curious, where do you stand on the Lost finale? I'm sure you've talked about this, but I don't know what your answer is. Where is your stance yeah. on the finale? I didn't love it. I didn't love it when it happened. I mean, I think that a lot of people have come around on it. Like I can, I can see where, but uh, you know, it wasn't my favorite thing ever. Really? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was pro finale, um, but I understood why people didn't like it. And again, it was a finale that I've, I think I've watched twice. So um, it was also a show that was, it wasn't a show where, kind of like the bachelor the bachelorette where you just turn it on for well that show was an hour but you turn it on for an hour a week and then yeah. shut, off, shut off your brain for a for a week until it comes on again like there was so much deep dive it was like one of the first shows where deep diving and theories and all stuff online started to become more than 
what yeah. we were seeing on TV. And I was just like, wow, I missed this. I mean, I would start reading, um, who was it on, on EW, his recaps. And I was like, he is, he is diving so far into the show and talking about shit that I don't even remember. I'm missing all yeah. these Easter eggs. Like I was like, wow. Okay. If I'm going to really watch the show, I have to follow it up every week by either taking notes or re reading something right before the next episode starts, or else I'm going to forget what I re watched the week before. Was it Jeff Jensen was his name, Lost? right? Yes, yes, Doc Jensen, yeah. Doc Jensen. Lost is a very important show for podcasting because I think that there were a, a, a lot of uh, the early podcasts that became popular were podcasts that talked about Lost. I used to listen to a podcast called uh, Jay and Jack, and they're still uh, podcasting, but that was one of the first shows that I was listening to that was that I just knew from podcasts and because Lost was like a great show to be able to like create conversation around television. Oh, for sure. I mean that I mean I there wasn't Periscope back then. There clearly wasn't Instagram lives back then. It it really would have probably hit in in that realm as well if that, if those were around back then. But yeah, it's a show you had to talk about right after it ended or else you would just kind of get, you know, lost because there are just mm -hmm. so many things that are yeah. happening and so many callbacks to previous things that happened in other episodes you just and then season five was all about time travel that blew my mind and got way too confusing for me <laughs> as well like yeah. i was ah oh, that season i can imagine yeah i mean i and you know back to the future is literally my favorite trilogy of all time and that's the time oh, me too that's the time traveling standard that i live by when i watch anything on tv or movies and that's the thing about time travel since it's not real Anybody who does a TV show that includes time travel or a movie can take liberties with it. But every time, anytime someone does time travel that strays away from how Back to the Future did time travel, I get totally confused. That's where I'm at with, with that. Because I thought Back to the Future did it so perfectly and it made so much sense and it wasn't hard to figure out. I think some people may have gotten confused a tad on, yeah. on uh, Back to the Future Part 2. I loved it. I mean, I'm a gambler, sure, so I love. Sure. I love part two. There's like, yeah, I I, lo I love it too. But uh, see, I, I showed it to uh, my seven year old recently, and I think it was a, a little confusing for him that yeah. they went to the future and it was five years ago, and uh, we don't have the stuff that they have. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the thing. Like when 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 two came out, I believe it was '87, so I was 12 at the time, and I think when I yeah. watched it, I probably wasn't. I didn't understand as much. But so many rewatches over the years, as you just grow older and grow a brain, you understand, okay, now I I kind of get it. And just, I mean, that trilogy is awesome. I love it. It's my favorite. Yeah. I'm glad you like it, too. Uh, I mean, it, there are times where I go back and forth on which one is my favorite. I mean, the original, it's really tough to beat. But there are times where I'm like, God, I really loved two. It was, it was mm -hmm. and I mean, do you have a first second or third on that i think i used to say that uh two was my favorite but really? i i think i have to say that w one I, I think i've gone back to the original yeah it's it's really tough and to three is a it. distant third yeah i i've never i've never been a western guy for one so that just the scenery of of three just kind of threw me off but the more i've rewatched three when it runs on cable all the time i'm like okay i i I liked the way Fine. they wrapped it up and I liked the way everything came to a head in that, but just the movie itself, it was like, okay, I, 
I'm not as invested in who Doc Brown had a crush on, you know, yeah. 100 years ago. Like, eh. I, I wouldn't have gone all in on Doc in the yeah. third movie. <laughs> yeah, it was so much about his love story, and it's like, okay, I get it. You didn't, but, hmm. um, yeah. Anyway, um, let's get talking. I, I did want to talk again about uh, the podcast and in and of itself, and and the network that you've started. How many shows currently sure. are running on Rob has a podcast? Uh, a lot. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, we tr- you know have uh, really expanded. Where you know it used to be just me, and then uh, at some point, uh, probably around like uh, when I first started doing the podcast full time we started to expand off into that you know we have a, a scripted tv arm and then we also have a reality tv arm that is podcasts that are not covered by me uh and so uh we have people that are covering uh the challenge the bachelor uh the uh love island and uh you know uh the mass singer and uh, all sorts of like different shows that are on TV right now. That's, I mean, that's fat. Drag I mean, race. I mean, that's fascinating, and I and I give you all the props in the world to starting a, a network like that. That's really because I guarantee when you started in 2010, you ne- this wasn't your goal. You probably didn't think that this was no. something that you wanted to do. And, and like you said, you were just looking for somebody to maybe notice you. It's kind of how RealitySteve.com started. That was my thing. I just started recapping yeah. The Bachelor and The Bachelorette in hopes that. You know, this was an '04, in hopes that somebody would see my writings and be like, "I like this guy." Well, let's hire him from for some freelance stuff. That's the only reason I kept doing it. I wasn't making money from '04 to 2010. I didn't know how to make money on the internet, and and then yeah. and then I started putting ads on my site in 2010. And a year and a half later, we're we're about 17 days away from me being at my 10 year anniversary of um, Reality Steve being my full time job. I'm and again, yeah, happy I, anniversary. Thank you. When I started writing, I didn't, this wasn't a plan. I didn't think I was going to make a job out of this and just shit just develops. I mean, at what point did you see it going into like, wow, now this can be my full-time gig. So a couple of years after I first started it, that I was like balancing, I had a job, I had, uh, you know, uh, found uh, something and it was like a pretty good paying job. And uh, I, I didn't love what I was doing, but I was like being paid well. And my uh, first son was born and uh, that I was really struggling to keep up with like work and like all the stuff I was doing on the podcast on the side. And I ultimately got laid off, not because I was like doing uh, I wasn't doing a great job, but it was uh, the department got uh, dissolved from the company that I was working at. And I was really at the point where I said, should I, you know, go find another job? And then like at my next job, like, hey, by the way, I got to like also like be home by this time on a Wednesday or like like who would hire me? I, I was basically like I had so many other commitments. It would have been hard to find anything else. And I didn't really feel like I had that much job security anyway. I'm like, I could go get another job and then also get fired tomorrow and get back uh, in the same position. And so I said, okay, I'm going to go all in on what I'm doing. And if I can like, uh, you know, get close to where I was, then maybe I could also like get some freelance uh, stuff at the same time. So at the beginning of 2014, I went all in and I was an early adopter on Patreon where they were just like getting started and I had made a contact over there who was trying to talk me into setting up a Patreon for Rob as a podcast. And I like had told the audience like, Hey, I want to do this full time. 
And I like, I it would be great if you would be a patron and support what I was doing. And, you know, so many more people signed up than I ever would have imagined. And I've, uh, have not looked back since that point. Dude, that's, that's awesome. I love the story. I mean, that's really cool that you were able to do that. I didn't know that you, I think, I think maybe in the beginning, now that you mentioned it, I think I remember hearing about that and from a distance, I was like, wait, so this guy is asking people for money so he can do a pot. Like I was just a skeptic. The audacity. I didn't, I, yeah. I didn't, yeah. I didn't know anything about the industry back then. Um, and I didn't know that, you know, Patreon, like said, was, I didn't even realize it was a thing. Um, but I mean, the fact that you've been able to do that, I, I all the props in the world to you, man. That's great. Um, yeah. And that, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say that, you know, it's not just like, uh, hey, uh, we're doing the podcast, uh, give us uh, money to do it, uh, that, you know, we try to offer a lot of things, uh, like community around the the shows that that we do. Uh, Like, it's a place where people who love the same shows that you love, like we've sort of like uh, cultivated like a really nice community around these uh, competition reality shows. And then also like we have like additional content that we're providing for the patrons too, as well. So I know at first I was like, well, who's going to, who's going to want to pay for any of these podcasts, but we've tried to find uh, ways to like uh, really, you know, give a lot back to uh, the people who are interested in this stuff that want to get even more involved with uh, this community. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, what's interesting is, you know, I get told a lot and, you know, you having a website and a podcast, you're very well aware of how advertising works on websites. Sure. And, you know, I have been told numerous times that I have too many ads on uh, my website and, you know, it's, it's it's a happy medium of that's what the majority of my income is from the, the podcast that I started four and a half years ago is now, you know, it's a second income. It has nothing to do with my website income, but you know, it's just funny looking back on, you know, when I first started doing ads and even like the mid like 2014, 2015, 2016, you know, desktop ads paid really well. And I can say that my, my readership was 70, 30 desktop to mobile back in 2015, 2016 I just looked at my numbers recently and it's it's reversed and then some. I mean my my readership now is 90% mobile tablet versus 10% desktop, you know? It's just Yeah. And as you know, mobile ads just don't pay as much as desktop ads. And 
but nobody nobody really reads on desktop anymore and long form writing is is kind of going away uh people don't like to spend mm-hmm. a lot of time reading anymore it's about short clips it's about tiktok it's about snapchat um so yeah i mean it's yeah. it is a frustrating did you ever have those issues with when you you know when you had rob as a website the same thing with Gosh, I need to yeah. I need to put the ads on here, but the ad sometimes you had those takeover. Well, that was more on mobile, but just the ads themselves mm-hmm. were becoming. Was it too much for you? Yeah, that I mean, we used to be able to generate some income with the uh, ads on the website, but I mean that 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 has sort of like uh, dried up to uh, a large extent on the on the website, and I, I don't think that we ever got uh, anywhere near the traffic that you must get on your your website. So we've done you know a, a lot of uh, you know uh, work with getting advertisers, but that's all like in the podcast yeah. and on uh, the YouTube channel. Yeah, I mean, in the podcast again. You, I'm assuming you go and do private advertising on your podcast, or do you go out and get no, the ads uh, yourself? That, that uh, the podcast network uh, gets uh, the ads, and okay. then uh, we, you know, they send they send me the ads for uh, for the week, and then I end up uh, reading them on the show. Okay, so you're 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 in the same boat as me. I didn't know if you sold any yourself because you started this ten years ago. I didn't know if you had yeah kept like private advertisers and said, do you want to do this? But you have a podcast network as well, just like me. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's such a weird, I, look, I, I mean, I, the mobile, the mobile versus desktop has always baffled me. Like I, when I'm in 2015 and 2016, I never thought that it was going to flip the way it has to where it's like, nobody mm. reads online anymore. Nobody reads desktop on anymore everyone's you know on the on the go and looking at their phone and but yeah um mobile ads just don't pay as well as desktop ads but yet only 10 percent of my readership is desktop so it does get a little crazy at times um but yeah i i'm i'm at a point now where it's you know we 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 do we do what we can on the website and mobile but yeah there was the time there for a while where mobile ads were really intrusive and you know you would have a mobile ad that literally redirected your phone with you know candy right. crush games and stuff like that and and people didn't understand like you know why are you doing this like look it's not me you don't understand these are like yeah embedded into the coding and all this shit that i don't even yeah. understand it's not i can't yeah. control it i'm not i don't want you to go to candy crush when you go look at my site on your phone but i think that mm-hmm. problem has been eradicated have you had that issue Ever? <laughs> no. That, we, I, I mean, I, I've had that issue with my phone, and then I'm like, uh, "Damn it, Steve! Yeah. Why are you making me uh, download? Like, I, yeah. I didn't open this website." Uh, but no, I, that, I, that I, we we didn't uh, didn't end up having uh, too many ads on the the um, especially on on the mobile side. Yeah. Uh, like, we we didn't we didn't do as as, as much with like uh, the embedded advertising on the website. So I was thinking, what is your what is your background and where are you from? And when you first applied on Survivor, you, I'm assuming, were a super fan or a big fan of the show that yeah. said, I want, you know, I want on. Tell everybody the process of how you originally got on the show. Well, I was a Survivor super fan from the first season. I wasn't a day one fan, but I was like a, a, a day 
28 fan where I, I like I came in on the fourth week and I fell in love and I watched every episode of the show and I desperately wanted to be on the show but I, I got cold feet uh, I'm not an outdoorsy person and I was like uh like uh I don't think I can make it on Survivor and I loved Big Brother also so I watched Big Brother 2 and were, were you an early old school Big Brother fan too, Steve? No, not at all. Uh, oh, okay. I'll, I'll, when we talk Big Brother, I'll, I'll tell you my story on that. Uh, my listeners yeah. know, but yeah, no, I wasn't big on um, okay. Big Brother at all. Um, but Survivor, yeah. I was season one. I think I tuned in around Final Four was my first episode, and then I've watched every episode since. Yeah, that was a good one. Um, and, and I uh, really, the, there was a guy, uh, his name was uh, Will Kirby, Dr. Will. And yeah. I was like, oh, my God, he's having so much fun. I want to uh, do exactly what he did. And so I ended up going and applying to be on Big Brother 3. And I got very close to being cast on Big Brother 3. And uh, this was in the summer of 2002. And I got, I went to the finals and I went to uh, the like um, CBS executives and I really thought I was going to be on the show. And they like, basically like they like were planning for, for me to be on the show. I was like keeping in contact with them. And then at like the last minute, um, the, like a week before that, I probably would have left. They called me and said, Oh, we, we ended up going in a different direction and they didn't end up taking me. And I was really devastated. Uh, they took somebody who was kind of like me. That was also from long Island. Uh, which is where I'm from. And then a couple of months later, I got a phone call from somebody uh, at CBS again. And they're like, hey, do you want to be on Survivor? And I was like, what do, you, what do you mean? And they said, yeah, we were looking for somebody who is just like that other person that they put on Big Brother. We want you to come to Los Angeles and meet with the executives. And we want to put you on the next season of Survivor that we're going to shoot, which is going to be Survivor 6. Uh, and I was like, okay, sure. But I didn't think they would really take me. Uh, I just thought I'll get in the good graces to be on Big Brother 4. And then I went out there and they were looking for somebody to sort of be like the funny person to be on the show. And, you know, I had them laughing like in the in the room. And, uh, you know, um, Mark Burnett and Jeff Probst uh, were, were, were laughing and they ended up uh, picking me to go out and be on Survivor, the Amazon. Yeah, see, I didn't know this until probably more recent years, probably, I don't know, five, six years ago. But then when you started seeing the crossover... And you started hearing more stories of people that ended up on Big Brother that said, I originally applied for Survivor and ended up on Big Brother and vice versa. It happens a lot now, right? They, CBS loves doing that with their Survivor Big Brother people crossover, it seems like. Yeah, they'll do it, they'll do it a bit where I, you, that I was somebody like from, uh, from casting that, that went over. You, they've had also people that like ended up on Survivor who played Big Brother uh, first. Also, and a couple of people who did the Amazing Race and played yeah. Survivor, and then vice versa, Survivors and Big Brother uh, people who go on the Amazing Race. But this was just a time where the the woman who used to do the casting for Survivor remembered me and was like, "Oh, I, I I'm looking for somebody who's just like that," and that's uh, how I ended up on Survivor. So I want to talk about Survivor now, and yeah. for people that are listening. These aren't major spoilers, but if you don't want to know anything about this season of Survivor, season 41 that's going to start in a month, um, I don't think these are major spoilers. But if if you don't want to know anything about the season, then I suggest muting or fast-forwarding right now. So I, really a couple things that have recently popped up. First off, I can't even remember. Has CBS released the Survivor cast for 41 or no? I've just read that on, 
online? No, uh, there are sites that uh, leak uh, this uh, sort of information. Yeah. Uh, I think that CBS tends to uh, release it officially a, a couple of weeks uh, closer to the start of the season. Yeah, they're okay. So I, I've read, I've seen it somewhere else. Okay, so the big thing, there are two things that I think are, are big this season that we know as fans. One, you know, Survivor, if you're a fan, you know, outside of Australia, which was 42 days, has been a 39-day show. I mean, that's it's probes yeah. line at the beginning of the season, 39 days, one Survivor. Yeah, Season 41 and season 42, for that matter, which is already in the can and will, and will air starting in February, is is less. It's, what is it, 29? Yeah. Is it 29 or 26? I don't know if that's officially been, you know, uh, uh, revealed of just how many days. But, yeah, they're going to do a, a shorter season, which I think is not so much a creative decision, but more of, like, I think that with the quarantine that they probably had to do for COVID of, like, uh, you know, a 14-day quarantine, that I think that they needed to do that to make it work schedule-wise. Okay, so it's not like this is going to be the thing going forward. Doesn't seem like that every season going forward I is going to be think 20 so, days or whatever. But we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that I found out, I think just recently got announced was they are going the, the when, you know, as you know as a Survivor fan when they film the season outside of the first season, you get down to the end and whether it's five or two yeah. or final three, Jeff Probst takes the votes and he reads them live at the after show. Well, we have come to find out that for seasons 41 and 42, they just filmed the whole show out there. They revealed the winner in front of the cast out there. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because we haven't seen it since Richard Hatch and seemingly seemingly that made sense because they didn't know what they had in that season. And then once it blew up the way it did and 50 million people watched the finale, they realized, okay, let's make a, a, an event out of the, the revealing of the final votes. So what is your thoughts on the fact that the winners are out there and they they, yeah. they, they they had to do it like season one? Well, I had actually been speculating about this just uh, recently. I was thinking about like, because if you're the production, I think you have to make a call uh, that you're getting down to the end of filming season 41. And it's like, okay, do we shoot the ending here? We're all together. Or do we risk it? And that, we'll be able to all get back together in December of, uh, and, and who knows what it's, the world will look like. Uh, you know, though maybe things will be a lot better, you know, potentially things could be, you know, uh, like, uh, you know, where they are now, or maybe potentially like, uh, you know, uh, not as good as they are now. So I think that the show had to make a, uh, a big decision. I think it was the right call. Because if, you know, Survivor fans who watched season 40 saw that they, Jeff Probst read the votes for the winner of a huge season in his garage. And we had the winners, the winner on Zoom and it wasn't ideal. And so I think that it was the the right call to do it. Now, I think that they could have cheated it also and basically like uh, shot three different endings uh, to the season and sort of like uh like have have that potentially so maybe like less people like the jury doesn't necessarily know who uh you know walked away as the winner so it might be there's a better chance that like the winner gets leaked but i think that like uh you know uh so many times that everybody who's there actually like knows who the winner is maybe the votes didn't get counted but 
for the most part, like everybody that's on the show knows who the winner is. Yeah, and that question has been asked to me over the years, and it, the Survivor people that I have had on the show, um, who have I had from Survivor that have been on the podcast? Eliza, obviously. My, my friend Stephen Fishback. Oh, oh yeah. Stephen, uh, and then having Dalton on and Stephen. Um, yeah, it's like the winner, I mean, for people that don't know, they film the fall season, the one that airs in September. They film that what, April and May, right? April into May on a normal schedule yeah or, or even maybe a little earlier maybe earlier march into april um, yeah march to april and then, and they might shoot one uh right after the finale of the show airing in, in may yeah and then they go may and june for the season that airs in february spring which which is great yeah. cra- which is crazy because i mean i i think the average television fan doesn't understand this stuff because i still get it all the time with bachelor bachelorette fans some of them think the show's actually live um you know, when you film that second season, which this year would be season 42, which will air in February of 2022, that finale yeah. of, of that finale of the spring season of Survivor season 42 is going to be in May, literally one year pretty much since they since those right. people filmed it. I mean, that's got to be crazy to sit around and the winner, like you said, the votes aren't read out there, but these people are all friends. They all get home and they talk to each other and I've got to believe that the people who are in the final two or final three, however they choose to do it, are asking the other people in the jury, "Hey, did you vote for me?" Like, how do you not do that? And I'm sure they're, I'm sure Survivor producers probably tell them, you know, don't say anything. But I can't imagine every winner doesn't know they're yeah. winning. I mean, have you? You're you're more if, in, t- in tune to that. Yeah. Do they know? They does if every the, winner know? If the players flew back to America uh, and, and had, didn't find out before the plane landed in Los Angeles, I'd be surprised. I mean, that <laughs> first of all, a lot of times you get seasons where it's like 10 to 0 to 0. Like yeah. it's obvious from just like the questions of who's voting for uh, for whom. And, and, you know, once in a, that there's probably like, you know, four or five times in the history of the show where it was like close enough that people like uh, were really like uh, speculating for months. But I think more often than not that it's uh, not a very well kept secret amongst the cast, and, and really the you know it's uh, a, a honor system that you you hope that the players buy in and nobody gets done with the season and starts telling their friends who go on the internet and start start to uh, leak this stuff because it sort of uh, is you know less fun for everybody. It's much more fun to like uh, stay guessing throughout the season. Trust me, I get it all the time because people ask me, you know, yeah. being being the guy who you know who ruins the Bachelor and Bachelorette finales of like, you know, I do get people that say, "Why do you spoil it?" And and the the thing that I've always said is, the Bachelor and the Bachelorette is literally the only thing in my life that I that I spoil and I want to know the ending too. I don't read the end of books. I don't want to know what the end of a movie is before I go see it. Survivor being my favorite show, like. There's not a website out there. I'm, I know. I know. Inside Survivor covers a lot, and I don't even know if he does an episode by episode thing, or if even if he does spoilers. As far as I know, Martin Holmes is just kind of doing cast releases and themes. Yeah, I, I, I right? don't think he spoils the result. Okay, so yeah. he doesn't do the yeah. result, which is good. But I, maybe there, maybe there has been stuff out there. I just don't go openly looking for Survivor spoilers. I know there was a while back there where. There was lawsuits going on, and Russell might have been involved in stuff and you know revealing stuff. Mm-hmm. But I, I thought that for me as a Survivor watcher and, and enjoying the show as much as I do, if I know at the beginning of the season who's winning that, that's just 
that's just way different to me than knowing who wins the Bachelor Bachelorette because there's no prize on Bachelor Bachelorette. The prize on the Bachelor Bachelorette is probably an engagement that's going to end in a few months. But when you're giving mm-hmm. out a million dollars on Survivor, and I already know who wins, that the means... The prize is getting on the next Bachelor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that too. But on Survivor, if I already know who wins before the season starts, then any time that person could possibly be up for a tribal council, it's just like, all right, well, no matter what the edit is showing me, I know that person's not going home. So it would really kill it for me if I knew. And I've never known who won any season of Survivor, and I, and I don't want to. And like I said, Bachelor and Bachelorette is the only thing in my life that is spoiled. I don't want to know the spoilers for anything. So, um, yeah, for Survivor, I, I, I love it that way. It's so much easier to live my life not knowing <laughs> who the hell won on, uh, on survivor. But, um, for you, Thanks. for you and your coverage of it, do you, have you ever found out just be, being in that survivor bubble and part of the alumni? Do you hear stuff and like, Oh man, that sucks. I didn't want to know. Or do you, or do you want to I, I really, no, I don't, I don't want to know because it makes it so hard for me to do what I do to like, uh, the, the best case scenario for me is to not know anything because then I can like really like give my opinions on, what I think is going to happen. I mean, there have been times where the like winner is not a well-kept secret from the, uh, like, like people leaking the information that happens uh, more so with like the all-star seasons. It's like the people that didn't do well, they find out what happened. They're super bitter. They try to ruin it for everybody. And then they are sort of just like spilling it everywhere. And it's on social media. You could not even be looking for it, but, Somebody who you know wants to be a jerk on Twitter is gonna like uh, like send you mentions and uh, say hey blah 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 like uh, so I, if that ever happens to me I just try to convince myself oh they're messing with me yeah. you know I I, I don't, I don't want to ever believe it if, if I end up getting that but there's also times where the edit uh, is so obvious of who's gonna win that it's almost like you're being spoiled because that uh, they have certain like tropes that they'll do with uh, how the winner is being portrayed and certain things that happen where it makes it almost like that they are spoiling the show themselves. See, that's funny that you say that because you're obviously a more of a survivor expert and you, you talk about the show every week and you, and you do that and you, you're able to look at the edits that way. For me, as a person who watches every episode of Survivor but never really thinks about it after the episode airs, and uh, you know, I'll read the, I'll read the elimination interviews that they do with Dalton. But other than that, I don't read into stuff too much. And I'm a guy also that you know covers Bachelor and Bachelorette, where people read into the edits all the time. I'm good on the Bachelor and Bachelorette edits, but I'm terrible yeah. when it comes to Survivor edits because, I mean, just recently, I can't. I'm, I'm kind of blanking on the guys. Is Rick De- Devers? De- Rick Devins. Devins. Yeah. For me, when I was watching that season, I was like, his edit to me came across as he was going to win. Like that's the way I looked yeah. at his edit. But, a lot of people. Yeah. So I well, thought was he was a weird winning. Season. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, the guy and- who won that season, spoiler, spoiler alert, was on the show for three episodes. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. He was the one that went to what was it? He was didn't. That the guy who won didn't have an edit. So, what was it? it Redemption. Was a real it was. He went to. Well, and that was uh, Edge of Extinction. Edge of Extinction. Where, and I again, I, I can picture the guy's face, but I already forgot his name. Who won that season? Chris. Chris. Yeah. yeah, he went to Edge of Extinction, came back, and that was the big. I, I remember Stephen when he came on, 
and we talked about it after the finale of that season, there was a giant debate of a guy, if a guy played 13 days out there, does he deserve to win? So I'll ask you the same question. Do you think somebody who played 13 days should have won? Yeah, I think should have is not necessarily like the word I I, I would use. Like, uh, like should is like uh, he he did a, a good job with the hand that he was dealt. But ideally, if you're producing that season, like uh, you shouldn't have a mechanism where somebody could sort of like you know if somebody gets eliminated on the second rose ceremony and then gets proposed to at the end of the bachelor like that that's not an ideal way that you want to see that season uh play out yeah no i i hear what you're saying i remembered at the time i was like you know what for like like you kind of said for the hand he was dealt i didn't have a pro like i wasn't like mad that he won but some people were really bothered by the fact that yeah. chris won i i mean it's like they were like how can you vote for him and you know, it's like it was unfair because he had he had that whole time over on Edge of Extinction to build up his relationships with the majority of the people that ended up voting for him in the end. And it's like, I guess, yeah, like you said, it's yeah. more on production. It's like you put this thing in place. That's why he won because of the way you produced right. that particular season. Yeah. You know, can I ask you a question with yeah. uh, the way that Survivor works versus uh, The Bachelor? Because I feel like yeah. that with Survivor, they've done so many seasons now. They're on, you know, the f 41st cycle of the show that I feel like that the show's producers at times are kind of bored where they're like, well, how do we keep coming up with more ways to make this exciting? And they come up with more and more like outlandish, like uh, different advantages and all sorts of like different like, um, you know, bells and whistles to throw into the game does that go on as much with the bachelor into the fans sort of like clamor for old school bachelor bachelorette they definitely clamor for it i just don't think it's realistic because kind of as you just said this season of the bachelorette is their 42nd season there's been 20 uh 25 bachelors and or 26 bachelors and 17 maybe this is season 43 it's like 25 bachelors yeah. and 17 bachelorettes. I think that's what it is. So, yeah, you're at a point where while you've been on the show for 18, I've been on the air for 18 years and had 42 seasons, you just can't produce the type of stuff you did in back in 03, 04, 05, 06. You have to come up with stuff that the audience hasn't seen yet. So, you know, let's go with a double bachelorette or we're going to go with Claire. And then all of a sudden she's going to leave the show four weeks in and we're going to bring in a second bachelorette right. or it, they, they know what they're doing. And I think, you know, we've, we've heard all the stuff about storyboards before the season even starts that production has mm -hmm. in their little truck. So same thing. I just think every season they're thinking we've got to throw a couple things in here that maybe the audience hasn't seen yet. And let's go, this route. And in recent seasons of Bachelor and Bachelorette, it's been more about the formula has always been when you get down to the final four, you have four hometown dates. One person gets eliminated, you get three overnight dates, and then you're down to two. Now it's just becoming this sometimes they're letting people go early, or some people are self eliminating at four, which usually doesn't happen, or even at three, they're not even getting their overnight date. So they're doing stuff mm -hmm. to kind of change it up, but I almost think they kind of have to because. Yeah. As much as people clamor for it, they also want drama, and the maximum amount of dramas yeah. is what's appealing to them. Um, I did want to talk about Big Brother with you, and it's just funny sure. because, like you said, you asked me if I'd 
watch season two. I'm like, uh, no, I didn't start watching uh, Big Brother until season 21 because I knew Holly Allen because Holly used to date somebody from the Bachelor world. So going, oh. going into season 21, I was like, oh, Holly Allen's on it. I know Holly. She was on my podcast. Like, And Holly never told me she was going on it. I just saw the cast list one day and people were telling me, you know, I wasn't even looking for it because it was a show that I never watched. I knew it aired during the summer and I knew it took a lot of willpower to you know, dedicate, it took a lot of dedication to watch that show. <laughs> watch it, right. <laughs> three days, and that was my reason for never watching it. I'm like, I don't have time three days a week to co- to watch a show. And, and for a show that doesn't go on for a month or two months, it goes on three months. You know, they're there roughly about, you know, 95, 99 days or whatever. So it comes out one day, I start getting all these emails saying, hey, isn't Holly, wasn't this Holly girl on your podcast and used to date Luke P? I'm like, oh, wow, she's going to be on, ba- she's going to be on Big Brother? I'll watch it. So I watched it. That was the first season I ever watched. Outside of you know what, I did watch the two celebrity, the celebrity ones, just because. Yeah. I knew they were short, you know, short, shorter time commitments. Even though it was three times a week, mm-hmm. I it was only going three weeks or whatever, whatever it was, four weeks. So I watched twenty one, and then the following year, uh, right at the beginning of the pandemic, um, I got involved with Cat Dunn, and you know, Cat and mm-hmm. I started dating. And so when we started dating last year and All Stars runs last summer, you know, dating Cat, it's like I can't not watch Big Brother because right. she's such right. a she became such a big fan after she was on it. So then I got really into sure. it last year and followed all the Twitter accounts and followed I didn't watch the live feeds like her. I would just read the recaps of the live feeds on Twitter and then I was like, okay, again, I don't like being spoiled. I, I'm fine with just watching on Wednesday, Thursday, and Sunday. I don't. I don't want to be spoiled. I don't want to know. But it was hard with yeah. Cat around to not know who won Power of Veto, who got put up. Um, but so yeah, I'm only. This will be my. I'm not even counting the celebrities. So this will be my third season, or this is my third season watching. But okay, but you're you're hooked now. Oh yeah, I'm absolutely hooked. I really do like it. I think it. I mean, I do think the show is. It's got its tropes, just like every other reality show. I do think it's kind of corny. I think Zingbot's kind of re- really corny, and, and just like okay, uh, the vo- the voiceover guy gets annoying to me a little bit. But the game itself, yeah. anything that's a social experiment, it's, it's why I like Survivor so much because it's such a great yeah. social experiment. This idea that you have to befriend a lot of people, but then you have to befriend them enough to where you eventually have to vote them off, but you still need their vote in the end. And I've always found that concept on a reality show fascinating and but i just couldn't do yeah. it with big brother so i'm hooked now i watch i'm not i think the first week i was following along the twitter accounts on the live feeds recapping and i'm just like all right i'm done i, I can't do this. it's too it's too much they're literally updating every five minutes what what people are saying and i'm like i i, yeah. I can't do it it's too much real but, time yeah and but i think it's a fascinating way to kind of you know just in just this season for example you know Frenchie after he wins head of household we we hear him on the live feeds say not putting any women up not putting any people of color up and yet when they show the episode all they show him saying is I'm not putting any women up so I thought that was interesting and um but he just I mean your thoughts on Frenchie just um, you know, we're recording this Wednesday before um, yeah. Wednesday episode airs. By the time you hear this, um, you'll know who won Power of Veto, 
and you'll 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 know that Derek X won and, yeah. didn't, and didn't put anybody up. But um, going into tonight, when you watch the episode, Frenchie and Brittany are up on the block. I mean, it certainly yeah. seems like Frenchie's going home. Um, do you yeah. think there's any way Brittany gets sent home tonight? I mean, look, sometimes uh, they call it Waffle Wednesday in the Big Brother house <laughs> where the night before eviction, uh, things change. But this uh, seemingly, at this point in time, looks like it's a, a vote that's as locked in as uh, anyone we've seen over the years. Frenchie had the most disastrous <laughs> first week, perhaps in the history of the show, the man was a lunatic. Uh, he came in, and he's supposed to be like a super fan who, for years, his dream was to be on the show. He was going to come in and be the best player ever, and he was just a wrecking ball in the first week of the show, and he made alliances with everybody. He promised everybody safety. He promised the women. He promised the people of color, oh, you're good with me. He nominated a woman and a person of color. Uh, he was just like, he made all these promises, and I think he just tells people what they want to hear in the moment, and it infuriates the people who uh, like one live in the house, but also the people on the live feeds who hear every conversation and every promise that he makes, and then he goes uh, back on every single one. And I don't think that he's like trying to play a villain. I just think that he's a guy that has almost no self awareness. Yeah, that was the weird thing. Everything that you just said just was like. If this can't, if this behavior from Frenchie after he won HOH was from a guy who wasn't too familiar with the show, it would have made all the sense in the world. But how can mm -hmm. you be a super fan like he was and tell everybody that they're safe and tell everybody they're in and make an alliance with literally everybody in the house? Like, how did he not think that this was going to backfire? I, he, he just, I'm shocked at. And look, I've got no history. My history is, you know, going back to season 21. You say it's one of the worst first weeks. I, I take your word for it. I can't imagine anybody was this bad on week How one. How could it be worse? Yeah. Like, you, <laughs> there's no, there's nobody else that. I mean, he went from he was the the first HOH, which is like a, a really good position to be in because you could really set everything up and everybody looks at you as a, like, okay, this is a person uh, in a position of authority. I'm going to get on their good side. You have like every advantage possible in the first week, and to go from the first HOH to potentially like a, a unanimous week two boot. I mean, that's very hard to do. You probably, you obviously know the history more than I do. Has anybody won HOH in week one and been eliminated week two? Yeah. Uh, so it's happened a couple of times that uh, there was, uh, I don't know if you know, uh, Jess and Cody uh, was like a, like a big uh, like showman that was on the show a couple Cody, of years ago. Cody Nixon. And, I, I know, uh, the I know all the names Nixon. I know are, for, are through Kat. I just, I hear all these names. She started doing yeah. lives with a bunch of contestants last summer. So yeah, I, I know the names, but I don't know their gameplay or how long they lasted on seasons. But yeah, Jess and Cody, I know the yeah. names, but I don't know the gameplay. Yes, and, and uh, really, and what what happened was that uh, that there was a returning player, Paul, who they had brought back, who was a popular player, and uh, that he tried to like stage a whole coup against Paul, and it backfired, and then ultimately Paul got the HOH and got everybody to uh, vote Cody out in the second week. So it, it's happened before, but not happening be the way it's going to happen to Frenchie, where the reason he's gone is because he was such a horrible HOH. Yeah, just, uh, just a just a an utter disaster. <laughs> yeah, 
and and that's the thing. Like I really like this show, and I really like again the social experiment of it, but not being familiar with past seasons outside of twenty one and twenty two. Yeah, I don't know. Like, what has been the what's been like the big strategy for if you take a consensus of the people that have won this show? What mm-hmm. has been the biggest strategy? Just being able to be friendly with like kind of like Survivor, where you, you do try to form you have to play a really good social game because it, it, it seems like it's just another show where there's just no way you can't lie to somebody straight to their face. Um, yeah. How, how do you not do that when everybody talks to everybody and, you know, people are asking, am I going up tonight? And you have to, if yeah. you know they are, you got to play coy. Like what's been the biggest consensus of the winners? How have they been able to manage their game? So the show's kind of evolved over the years where for the first like 15 seasons or so, like the ideal strategy was to sort of like not necessarily be out in front, but to be more of somebody who was like, uh, like um, aligned with the power, but being able to sort of like navigate the alliances and not really be seen as the person who was calling the shots, but to be able to like stay under the radar and ultimately, you know, have enough uh, alliances with people where you can win. But season 16 really changed that, where sort of like the idea ended up being like, hey, make a giant alliance. Within the giant alliance, have a smaller alliance. And inside the smaller alliance, have like a, like a final two. And then, you know, basically anybody who's not part of the bigger group, just uh, they're ostracized, they're frozen out everybody's afraid to vote with the people on the bottom because they're frozen out. And really from like, it's been sort of like a dark time for big brother the last six or seven years. There haven't been that many great seasons over the last couple of years. And so the show uh, in like a a number of things that they're trying to uh, correct. And uh, like, there were a lot of issues with the cast not being uh, diverse. And they've had some issues with like uh, potentially, you know, uh, certain house guests uh, mistreating the people of color in the house. Uh, they've really gone to like great lengths to try to correct that. And they've also added the teams in this season, which I think they're hoping that that's also going to be something that's going to prevent there from being like this giant alliance of like nine or 10 people coming together and then just like freezing out the three or four people that are on the bottom. Even though and they get picked off week by week by week. Even though we've already got the slaughterhouse and the cookout, we've already got two alliances seemingly in the house right yeah. now. Um, and you know, but it, the slaughterhouse, like I don't, I don't it, like that's Frenchie's alliance that he made with everybody. I don't think that that's really uh, going to stick. Uh, but for, but basically, Frenchie, for the guy who's like, oh, I hate the big alliances, like came in and tried to like execute the exact game plan that so many of the fans hate. One thing that I did look at before. Um, we started recording. I was just like, let me get up to date. Cause I needed to look at who, um, won power veto. I didn't know. Obviously we saw Sarah Beth win wild yeah. card on Sunday night, but power veto went to Derek. Um, but then I did see that Frenchie, I guess has been, I guess on the live feeds for the last three days has been his, his selling point has been, look, I'll stay in slaughterhouse, but I'm not going to pretend like I'm running this thing. I'll just let you guys run it. Is that his, that's his strategy now? Like, Hey, you guys can be in it. We're all in slaughterhouse, but I don't want to make any decisions. I realize I screwed up and 
you know, uh, Big D, you can you can take the reins here, and you guys call the shots. I'll mm-hmm. just be I'll just be a vote for you guys. I, I guess that's his selling point to try and stay. Did you read that, or is that what happened on the live? Yeah, I, I think that his best argument is like, hey, I can be a shield because as long as I'm in the house, people are going to be obsessed with trying to get me out. So if you keep me around, then people aren't going to be coming for you. Like, I, I think that's probably the the best that he could come up with. But again, he had such a bad week where uh, anybody who even thought about trying to keep him, that he's so radioactive that it, it would be like that if, you know, um, somebody was just like, uh, you're touching a hot stove if you try to go ahead and uh, save him from uh, the jaws of death here. <laughs> Yeah, it looks like he's screwed. I, I just can't see any way he doesn't go home um, tonight. So, I mean, but, you know, like you said, Waffle yeah. Wednesday, maybe there's stuff that happens that we don't know in the last 24 hours, but it would be probably, it would be a real shocker if they sent uh, Brittany home over him at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I have Brittany in a draft. I, I'm feeling comfortable as of Wednesday. Yeah. Your thoughts right now, early season, we're only two weeks in, but early season, people that you think are stealth, under the radar, who who do you think has played the best game uh, two weeks in? Maybe a couple, yeah. you know, a couple people. It's hard to say only, oh, this person's playing the best. I mean, it's obviously purely subjective, but, um, you know, who, a couple people that are under the radar and a couple people that have been playing really well. Yeah, well, I think the biggest standout so far has been Tiffany. And I think a lot of people discounted her because she's 40. And that's, you know, ancient in Big Brother terms that you know, she's the oldest house guest in the house this season. But she's uh, come in and she's really like had her eye on the prize. Uh, she's in a number of different alliances. Uh, she's really like wheeling and dealing. Uh, she has been like an integral part of like getting Frenchie out of the house. And so I think that, uh, the fans are like, uh, you know, especially the live feeders, uh, have really taken to Tiffany and you saw her on Sunday night with the fake crying. And then also that, uh, she like was calling out Frenchie when he was implying that he knew who the hinky votes were. So she's really bringing a lot to the season, uh, so far, Tiffany. And as far as, uh, the men go, I've uh, enjoyed Xavier so far. I think that uh, he's somebody to watch out for. I think uh, he's done uh, a good job. I think also that uh, a couple of the players I think that are are, like fun to watch that I think Derek X has been uh, like, he's been on the, on the bottom, but I think he's starting to come around and he could be like a really fun character in the season. Is Derek X winning back-to-back power vetoes? A good thing or a bad thing? It's hard to say. I, I don't think that people look at him as a threat. I, I think that he, while he, he's a smart guy, I think that people look at him as sort of just kind of like a, a laid-back uh, kind of guy who happens to just be good at some competitions as opposed to he is not somebody who's like plotting and scheming and somebody that uh, people are necessarily like on the lookout for. The one guy that I think... And, you know, it's funny because when you asked me at the beginning of the season, I think I even I think I even texted this to Kat. I was like, 
Travis is going to be the Jackson of this season. Like he's going to say, yeah. <laughs> Mike, I was convinced that Travis was going to say something on the live feeds that was going to stir the live feed audience and CBS was going yeah. to go down that hole again. I was a hundred percent convinced of that. And the guy lasted, you know, a week. So apparently didn't yeah. say anything bad. Um, so I'm not and really he good. He turned at out to be stuff. like a perfect angel in the house. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm not very good at this at breaking down big brother. So take this, take this um, with a grain of salt. I like big Derek and I think, and I think it helps. It, it does help that he, Seemingly, if the Slaughterhouse Alliance still remains an alliance, he's in both alliances, so I think he could at least go pretty far. And he comes across as very likable. He doesn't seem like, you know, and he could fly off the rails at any time, but he doesn't seem like he has the temperament to where people are going to be like, we have to get this guy out of here. Maybe, if anything, they're like, this guy can't get to the finals because if he gets there, he's beating all of us because he's such a good, nice guy, seemingly, uh, that we've mm-hmm. seen so far. But, yeah, so maybe I just contradicted myself by saying he's almost too yeah. nice. And, and same way with Survivor. Like, you, you know, people talk about you you don't want to be sitting next to him at the end or her at the end because they're going to beat you. Maybe that's the way, the same way it is for Big D. I, I just uh, – that's the early yeah. impression I, I get of him. I think he has a fun personality, but he was uh, so loyal to Frenchie that he is like uh, where, you know, Frenchie is just uh, so persona non grata in that house. He has never turned his back on Frenchie. And I think that at some point, like if he was like a a real uh, gamer, that I think that you sort of say, oh, like, okay, well, I can't be associated with this person anymore. And, And he's never cut those ties yet. And didn't he say on Sunday that he voted for Alyssa just because? Like he didn't really have a reason. It was him. Yeah, and, it was yeah, him I and think Tiffany, he right? Thought it would be fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know if he admitted that to uh, too many people in the house, but yeah, he was one of the people like, oh, this is boring. Like, uh, why don't I just throw some votes around? Yeah, and I was just like, I don't know. Is, I don't know if that's good or bad, or if it will come back to bite him in the ass, or. Not great. Or what? Okay. <laughs> See what I mean? I'm yeah. not very good and at this. And Tiffany, she did the same thing, but at least, you know, she had reasons for, uh, wh- you know, specifically why she did what she did. Yeah, and that and it made sense on Tiffany's end. And when I saw Derek say that in his confessional, I was like, okay, I don't know if that's good or, or bad or if it will hurt him in the end. I, I don't really know because I don't – I'm not really good on the gameplay of this show when I have – you know, season 21 to go off of, which, so I'm told, right. is universally one of the most hated seasons in the history of the show. But it also, it was interesting to me because, you know, when I talked to Kat about it after the fact, once I got to know her, yeah, and I kind of related that season to Survivor because you had a guy who was just a comp beast in Jackson, yeah. and do you vote for the guy who is just dominant or do you vote for somebody who's friends with everybody and played a great social game? Like, did you think that Jackson, if you were in the, if you were in the jury on season 21, would you have voted for Jackson to win? I I think that 
he ultimately, I don't think he could have gotten there without Holly, but I think he actually uh, did more, uh, especially like uh, that season 21 had a, a, a lot of issues. Yeah, but that, I do think that from a strategic standpoint, especially in the second half of the season, it turned out to be a very interesting game uh, where when you, especially when it got down to uh, the final, final six, final seven, where you had uh, Christy and Tommy, and then you had Cliff and Nicole, and then also Jackson and Holly, and sort of like uh, like w- which of those like uh, pairs of two were going to align with whom? It had an all time final five with that we debated on the podcast for that entire week. You know uh, what what should they uh, what should Cliff and Nicole do? Mm-hmm. Vote out. I think it was uh, vote out Tommy or vote out Holly. Uh, and somehow they decided to vote out Tommy in that spot uh, and, uh, and and keep Holly around, which ultimately uh, turned out to be the wrong decision for Cliff and Nicole. It, it was there. There were interesting uh, strategic decisions to be made in that season. Has has the consensus been over the years for this show to? I mean, I mean, Frenchie's been adamant since week one about it to get rid of showmances and to get and to if you couple up you're probably in danger has that worked out for people no. in the past or no you know that the thing about showmances is like i i think that frenchie feels like that's a cool thing to say like that you'll show people you're a real big brother fan if you don't like the showmances but the most popular big brother contestants are like showmances between uh, Brendan and Rachel and uh, Jeff and Jordan and even, you know, uh, there are people who stand Jess and Cody like people love uh, the showmances on the show. They, they don't like the idea of showmances. But then when you talk about like iconic Big Brother showmances, there are, uh, you know, a, a lot of famous characters. I mean, uh, not uh, probably Jackson and Holly. I don't think that that was like a beloved showmance in the history of the show. But I think that there are plenty of uh, showmances that people have liked over the years. So uh, I, I think that, you know, that's more just Frenchie trying to pander to the audience. Tyler and Angela, another one that... Uh, I mean, it's, it's a beloved. Yeah. Yeah, clearly. So, yeah, I mean, it's just... Again, I don't I don't know the past seasons of who lasted when. I mean, I know some of the winners and some of the winners' names, but I couldn't tell you anybody's gameplay. And but yeah, I do Look, find you the have show. my number. <laughs> you can text me any uh, any Big Brother questions that you have, Steve. Yeah, I mean, I will I will definitely hit you up with this. Um, you know, Cat and I go back and forth all the time on on Big Brother stuff, but when I don't want to know about who got put up and who's it, it, uh, you know, power veto or now this season wild card. I'm like, I've, I've, I've tried to keep it at a, at a minimum, my text to her about this because I just don't want to know. And she'll end up telling me in two seconds. So I, um, so mm-hmm. yeah, you, I might have to go to you. I might have to go to you this season because okay. I don't want to know. Well, but, she's very knowledgeable. Yeah. I, I, I don't want, I, I don't want to uh, step on any toes, yeah. uh, but if there's anything you're stumped on and historically, like uh, I think I can help. Yeah, no, I, de- I definitely will because I really, I really do like the show and yeah. And you know, the other reason outside of the commitment is it always aired in the, you know, it airs in the summer, which is always when the bachelorette aired. So I was always doing work, um, during it, I was just like, I can't do 
another yeah. three hours a week dedicated to this show, along with possible live feeds, either watching them or, or, or reading the recaps of what happened. But then, you know, the pandemic hit last summer and the Bachelorette season mm-hmm. didn't start airing until October. So I had all summer to watch All-Stars. I was dating Kat at the time. She was interviewing them. She was on the CBS sure. um, uh, conference call for the booted contestant that she was doing for her podcast. So I was hearing so much and it made it a lot more enjoyable last summer. This time around, it's like, okay, Bachelorette is airing. But I am still. I, I have found time because I want to make time for it because I really do enjoy it. I, I like the idea of strangers having to live and work together, and you having to develop relationships, and eventually have to maybe upset somebody by voting them out, and then ultimately have to rely on their vote. I've always found that fascinating, and it's why Survivor's been my favorite show. I just think that's really, it's it's not an easy thing to navigate. I don't. I, I can't imagine. You yeah. Know? It's and I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing. It's the show that of like any of the reality shows that takes itself the least serious. Uh, so like I think that Survivor like uh, treats Survivor and the idea of Survivor with a lot of gravitas. Uh, I think that The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, you know, they can, it, it can be goofy at times, but it does like in the end, it like wants to, the, the audience to take it serious. That Big Brother does not take itself serious uh almost at any point yeah no I, I i did notice that and i'm it is one of the things that i do find appealing about it and like you said survivor is a, you know even though it is a prize for a million dollars and big brother has a prize it, it it's maybe because it's been around the you know the longest or whatever and then the bachelor certainly with you know we come on the show and we're we you know you're on the show to find love and it's just like come on now and in, in 2021 we know those people aren't going on for love. They're going on to build a brand and to gain Instagram followers so they can quit whatever meaningless job they already had to do something, go in the world of podcasting, go in the world of influencing. Like we get it now, uh, but they don't, they don't really address that all that much on the bachelor bachelorette. It's like, Oh no, we're, we're about love. And we on an engagement at the end of six weeks where you barely mm-hmm. know somebody. Yeah. It's like, they take itself too seriously. And yeah, with see with big brother, as corny as it may be with Zing Bot and all this stuff, it that mm-hmm. just shows it doesn't take itself seriously because yeah, it's 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 kind of cheesy and the, and, the, and the competitions are very cartoony and you know it's not Survivor People competitions. Get yeah, yeah. fart sound effect. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This isn't Survivor competitions. There's something for everyone. Yeah, where you're not you know standing with your arm above your head for an hour and a half and you know having all the muscles in your arm, you know, fall asleep, uh, you know, trying to win a competition. Like, yeah, I, I get it, but I like both. So, um, but yeah, but I'm definitely yeah. all in, definitely a big brother fan. Um, I, I do like, Welcome it, aboard. yes. Uh, Xavier certainly has made a, a name. It seems like a guy that a lot of people will entrust with, um, secrets and, you know, him being a lawyer, he just, he seems to be the full package, but then I'm almost like, well, it's almost like the full package. He's also a guy that, well, if you're sitting next to Xavier in the end, you ain't winning. You know, it might be another one of those things. He seems almost too good, but it's it's also way too early. We just you you just never know. Yeah. Alliances fall apart, and we just don't know. So, um, before we get out of here, one thing that um, is new in your life, couple months, is yeah. you and your wife and your two kids moved. You had been in L.A. since. Yeah. 
since you got off Survivor in 04, what decided? Yep. Uh, what made you decide to make the move? Well, I, I, the pandemic was like a big part of it where that I was doing everything uh, virtual and, you know, we were talking about like that we wanted to, uh, you know, eventually buy a house. And uh, we said, OK, well, like uh, if if I can do this whole podcast thing, uh, you know, without any guests ever like coming in here or anybody coming in here to work with me, like and if we could do it from anywhere, like, is this where we want to be? And so we wanted to buy a house. Uh, we looked at the map and uh, my wife started looking at like different Facebook groups and she started to look at places that were good for kids and raising a family. And we ended up settling on Raleigh, North Carolina. We're both from the East Coast, so it was closer to home, uh, but without the bad weather from uh, all of the cold. And so it took uh, many months to get our stuff together. But as of June 1st, uh, we made the cross-country move. And now I'm podcasting out of Raleigh, North Carolina. Congratulations. Are there any – I mean, there's got to be some in 42 seasons – any survivor? I haven't contestants? gone looking yet. I haven't gone looking. <laughs> Anybody? There's got to be somebody from the Carolinas from that was. You know, on I'm more afraid that they're going to find me and like uh, be popping in. <laughs> oh, I guess that's Try true. A low profile. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, well, Rob, it's been a it's been a long time coming. I really appreciate you coming on. I definitely want to have you on again in the future. Maybe, yeah, this was great. Maybe when uh, beginning of or during season forty-two in the spring, we can talk about what's going on there. But yeah, loved having you on. I'm glad we could. Or finally if you want to break down Back to the Future, I will talk. I will talk Back to the Future until they turn the lights off on me. I can. I can talk about. Uh, there's. I've done so many deep dives on all three. Epi- you know, all three uh, movies. Um, oh, I've. I've. You know, I read. I, I've read books on it. I've. Uh, I had on a guy who wrote a book on it. Um, yeah, I, I just yeah. I, I I love every time I watch it. All I do now, because obviously I know what's going to happen in every movie, I look for stuff that I maybe didn't see before. I think everything in in the first one, there's nothing you can tell me about the first one that I didn't know. Um, recently, I found this out about the second one, and this has to do with actors. So in the I don't know if you know this. Are you familiar with the airplane movies? Um a little bit. The slapstick comedy from the early yeah, yeah, 80s. Okay. Yeah. There's a very um there's 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 two black guys on the plane and their whole bit was talking jive to the white flight attendant and that's yeah. always been a, it's it's yeah. been a very popular it's like if you watch airplane that's one of the more popular scenes is the guys that talk jive. Well, (laughs) I didn't know this until I think about six months ago, but in Back to the Future 2, Marty and Doc go to 2015. They come back to 1985, which happens to be an alternate 1985. When they're in alternate 1985, Marty jumps into his own bed thinking it's his, but he gets chased out of the room by a black man with a bat um, because 1985 has been altered. That guy who chased Marty out of the room and tried to kill him with a bat is the guy from airplane who talked jive. <laughs> I did not know that until I looked it up. Uh, yeah. That, yeah. This is news <laughs> to me. Um, and then there was another, there was another, another callback 
airplane had another thing that to do with um uh oh no that was airplane and coming to the Amer- coming to america so now my thing is finding actors from the, you know because back to the future was 1985 1987 and i believe three came out in 89 um is finding bit actors in those movies and saying like oh they were in this oh, okay so yeah mm-hmm. that was my thing but yeah I, i'd say storyline wise i just i love it it was my first introduction to, into time travel and obviously we know time travel isn't real but i just thought they they did it perfectly and it's always been my yeah. thing about it and i mean is there something about that franchise like why is it your favorite trilogy you know, it's a great question. It was just that uh, I think it captured my imagination like uh, at the right age. I must have been, what, seven or eight years old when it came out. I remember my dad took me to the movie theater. We came out, and I think that pretty sure my dad tried to get his uh, Nissan Sentra up to 88 miles an hour in uh, the Lowe's movie theater parking lot on the way out. I'm sure a lot of people did dangerous driving after (laughs) going to see that movie. And it was just on HBO constantly when I was a kid. And just like uh, I know the whole uh, thing by heart. Uh, And then, uh, yeah, I just remember like the like the palpable excitement was like, wait, they're making they they really are making two and three. (laughs) Yeah, make, making two and three. Filmed them, at, you know, filmed them back to back, but then aired them. I keep saying aired like it's a TV show. <laughs> uh, released them, um, you know, two years apart mm-hmm. or whatever. But yeah, I mean, it's also one of those movies that anytime I come across it, I don't care where they're at in the movie theater, where they're at in the movie. Yeah, I'm watching it. You know, it's just like I can't <laughs> not watch it. I I yeah. feel like again every time I watch now, all I'm doing is looking for things that maybe I didn't notice. The first time around. And I'm talking about the smallest fucking things. Sure. <laughs> like, so small. Like, oh, okay. And, you know, d- did you know that in two, um, you know, I- I'm sure you know this, that Crispin Glover obviously was not the actor who played George McFly in two, but yeah. there, there were clips that they used from one in two. So he was kind of technically in it, but he never filmed any scenes for two. Um, but the, um, uh, the punch in the, yes. b- before the chase, before the chase, uh, was also used from one as well. Cause Biff was, I mean, it, there's, there's so many different things that we get, like I said, we could go down and talk yeah. about this show for well, a movie for an hour. I, had uh, shown it to that uh, to my son a, a few months ago, and we, and we watched it. And then uh, the first one, or just very upset. I showed I showed him the first one. Okay, and that he uh, was very upset when the Libyans come to uh, find Doc and Marty, and then he uh, like was very upset when Doc got gunned down in cold blood by the Libyans and he's like dad you didn't tell me there was going to be guns in this movie <laughs> and, he's, and he's like is Doc dead Doc's dead dad I'm like uh let's keep watching let's see what happens he's like no you've seen this before tell me Doc is dead they killed Doc I'm like, why would you show this movie to me wow has, has he been has he been watching has it been over and over has he watched it multiple times or is he that, that, 
We wa- I think we watched it twice. Uh, okay. We have not watched it on, on the loop, but that, that first time I showed it to him, it was very traumatic. <laughs> Has he seen... T- and I didn't want to ruin the movie for him yeah. and tell him that Doc's going to be fine at the end. But he was he was very upset. That's the tough thing with kids. Like I've got a I've got a thirteen. Your son is what seven, right? Seven. Okay, yeah. yeah I've got a thirteen year old nephew who I got into it, and again, kids just ask stuff all the time while shows and or movies are airing that I've already seen. I'm just like, just watch <laughs> it. Everything will explain itself out. Um, but yeah, I can mm-hmm. I can imagine that. Yeah, it's tough because what do you do? You say like. If you, even if you say, "Hey, just keep watching," it's almost like well, I kind of gave away the answer because if he was was dead, you would just say, "Yeah, he's dead," mm-hmm. you know. But um, mm-hmm. has he yeah. wa- has he seen it two and three? Out. Has he seen two and three or just yes. one? Yes. Okay. Yes. So we saw. We watched them all. Okay. And what is he? What was his reaction to two and three? Uh, again, it's. I think it's still a little over his head, uh, like yeah. the idea of the alternate timeline. It's, I mean, it's kind of like a, like a heady concept, but, yeah. I, I, but I think I think he got it. Yeah, I mean, at seven years old, I can't imagine he was like, oh, yeah. So when they went back, 1985 was changed because back in 1955 and we're living that that's the 1985 from the 1955 that was created. Like, yeah, I can't imagine he has <laughs> dissected that and has been able to like fully, fully comprehend that. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he has, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, We'll watch it again. Yeah, no, it's a great, it's a great one. I love the sports almanac thing because being a gambler myself, that's like every gambler's dream to be able to know the outcome of something before it happens. Sports almanac, uh, no way that you could fit 50 years of results in that pamphlet. (laughs) One of my, I think I tweeted like two point font. I, I, I think I tweeted that out one time. I was like, look, I think I was watch rewatching it one time. And I'm like, as much as I love the Gray Sports Almanac, if this covered 1950 to 2000 sports, why is this pamphlet 75 pages? Like, I mean, yeah, it, it would be the size of the Encyclopedia Britannica or a giant right. dictionary to cover that many. But they yeah. turn on like a like a, a random like college football game in 1955. It's like, all right, here's the score right here. Yeah, I mean, again. And I think I've talked about this on a, on a previous podcast, but just that small detail of that game that they listened to on the radio was the actual score of an actual game between UCLA and what was it? Washington. I think it was UCLA and Washington. They were listening to on the radio on that date in that year. Like they didn't just make up a yeah. score of two random teams. Like just stuff like that makes me appreciate that film even more. Like they went to the lengths to be like, no, this was, on you know whatever i'm already forgetting the date of 1955 november 12th 1955 that game actually happened and that was the final score i don't think it it ended with a field goal but that was the final score and they just made it a little more dramatic by saying a guy kicks the field goal to win the game but yeah just little stuff like that i've always appreciated about the franchise so um Mm -hmm. again anyway thank you rob so much for coming on um i'm you know i was gonna say congratulations on the move um enjoy i'm sure you're enjoying raleigh for the last couple months but um yeah we'll definitely have you on again in the future happy upcoming survivor season and hope it's a good one yeah and we'll be in touch yeah and uh steve thank you so much for having me really appreciate it and uh enjoy the rest of the big brother season you got it thank you
Thank you so much to Rob for that. I love the ending where we could just, I'm telling you people, I, I'm an absolute, unabashed, absolute total nerd when it comes to the Back to the Future franchise. Like the stuff that I have read and memory retained from all three movies, probably not as much in three, but there are stuff in three that every time I see it, I pick up something new and from stuff that I've read or just stuff that I wasn't paying attention to or whatever the callbacks that they make. But man, I just, it's just a franchise that as much as I love the Rocky franchise, the Terminator franchise, well, actually the first two, everything after that sucked. Uh, what other what other trilogies do I like? I'm just totally blanking here. Oh, Karate Kid, obviously. Karate Kid and Back to the Future are probably the two that I know the most about. And, I mean, gun to my head, I'd probably go with Back to the Future. But Karate Kid is literally one A-A-A-A-A-A. It's right there in terms of the knowledge I have of it and the stuff that I could point out in it and stuff. But, um, I think, I think back to the future takes the cake because of the time travel aspect and how cool it was and how well they did it in 1985. And it, you know, it still holds up today. It's just an all time movie and I just love it. So thanks to Rob for coming on. I love the big brother talk as well. Uh, yes, I am. I am a. I'm a geek for Big Brother now. I really enjoy the show, but I've chosen to not follow along on the live feeds, either watching them or getting a recap of them on on Twitter. The only reason I did today was to you know to find out who won Power of Veto uh, in last night's episode. So. Anyway, uh, thanks again to Rob. Thank you all for listening. Please rate, subscribe, and review in Apple Podcasts. Much appreciated. And we will be back next week with yet another podcast. Again, for Rob Cesarnino, I'm Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. We will talk to you next week. See ya!